You're listening to the GBN Golden Red Broadcasting Network. Trainers at your ready, and welcome to the Champion's Path. Hello, Johto! You are listening to the Goldenrod Broadcast Network. Welcome to The Champion's Path, a Pokemon podcast. As always, I am your poker host, Maddie Limerick, and on today's show, I have a podcaster, a Pokemon lover, and a Raichu superfan. We'll have to get to that later, but I have Ken Shepard. Ken, welcome to the show! Hello, thank you for having me. I am always glad to scream about Pokemon for as long as anyone will allow me to. I love that. So why don't you give people at home just a little taste of who you are? Sure. Um, so I am, I'm Kenneth Shepard. I, I, I'm a podcaster. And I'm also a, uh, a writer. Like I, I, I daylight as a staff writer over at Kotaku. Um, and I guess for like people like that would be relevant to, to people listening to this. I also have like a Pokemon column over there called experience share, which I kind of just write about whatever Pokemon thing, uh, calls to me that week. And I, you know, it's ranged from like, uh, you know, small little things about like, oh, isn't it weird how Spinda has like a billion different forms or to like actually like longer form reported stuff. Like I did a pretty extensive feature about um, how like Pokemon Go players were being affected by the changes to remote raids, especially people that were disabled or lived in rural areas. And so that's like what I do by day, by night. Although as we're recording this, we're, we're a bit on a bit of hiatus at the moment because I'm recovering from a long medical thing. Um, I do a retrospective podcast called Normandy FM, which started out as a Mass Effect show where we went through the entire series, like with each episode kind of just going like an incremental uh, bit into each game. And then it kind of evolved into whatever game we felt like doing. Like, so we've done Dragon Age series, Jade Empire, The Last of Us, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy X. Uh, whenever we come back, which I'm hoping will be very soon, we'll be uh, going through the Nier series. And so that is a bi-weekly show that you can find on all your favorite podcast uh, places and apps. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me as far as the internet is concerned. I love that. And, uh, our dear friend of the pod, Matt Storm connected mm-hmm. us. So uh, that is very familiar when you said Mass Effect and Dragon Age. I said, ah, yes, there is mm-hmm. the connection. There, there mm-hmm. we are. There we go. But what is your yeah. background with Pokemon? Like, where did it start? Where- uh, so God, okay. Um, I'll tell you now, this is a saga because like, I know for a lot of people it's like, oh, I played it when I was a kid and then I came back to it in college because I realized it was fine to like, like Pokemon. Yeah. Whereas Pokemon has been a constant in my life since I was a child. So like there are eras to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as how it started, my earliest memory of Pokemon was actually when I was, I think, seven years old and walking through the uh, the local movie theater and I saw a poster for the first movie. And <gasps> I think I, like, I knew the name of Pokemon, but I didn't know anything about it really. And, but like I was like, oh, that's the thing that like I know people like, even if it wasn't really prominent with my friend group at the time. And then, so I was like, because I was a kid and just like, you know, something's put in front of me uh, immediately, like obsessed with it. I'm like, we should go see the movie. And I want to go, like, I want to get really involved. And so like the order of operations ended up being my, my twin brother and I, and he like, he's very central to my like relationship with Pokemon because like we were growing up and it was like this thing that we were always doing together. Um, we, we rented a videotape at a, uh, at our local store and it was the episode where Ash gets Bulbasaur. And, <gasps> um, or whichever one was on that VHS. Yeah. And we watched it obsessively and to the point where finally we started like going back and like renting, like we rented them out of order. So like it took us a long time to actually see Ash's story from start to finish or like, you know, catch up at that point. But um, 
so we watched a lot of the anime and I don't think it really dawned on us at that young age that there were games yet. But we like, at, like at that point, our family had, um, you know, we had a PlayStation, we had Game Boy, we had an NES. And I don't think we really caught on to the fact that games existed until our, whatever birthday it was that year, where we went to our grandmother's house and she got us a copy of Pokemon Red. And um, so we only had, obviously that was only one game, so we like kind of played it together. But um, my, that, that was kind of like the beginning of our experience. And it went on, you know, kind of, you know, fairly standard way Like we played every game as it came out. And I think there was like a kind of shift in both of our thinking with the franchise around Gen 4, because we were at that point just getting into like social media and like kind of like different online spaces. And we had become pretty active on one ups social media platform, which I don't think like, obviously like, I don't think a lot of people really realize that that was like a whole part of that website. A lot of people talk about, you know, the, the writing that they did, but like there was this whole social element and, you know, we made a lot of friends on there and everyone was kind of like getting excited for Diamond and Pearl. And what we ended up doing is we made this massive like RP club where everyone was kind of like writing this interconnected Pokemon story together. And mm-hmm. at that point, um, we, at that point, my brother and I were starting to get into the games in, in such a way where like we cared enough about like, oh, we don't want just Pokemon that like we come across that we like. We want like a, a party that ma- forms this unit that is like mm-hmm. viable and like makes sense strategically and that coupled with that story that we were writing with a bunch of other people kind of formed this idea in our head of like what, what I've kind of taken to calling like amongst my friends, like as the quote unquote, the canon six, like who is your party of six that you is like your mains? Like who are these ones that like, if hypothetically you're in the Pokemon world, that would be your group. And so when that happened, you know, we'll talk about more, more about those six for me and uh, eventually, but, um, for for me, that kind of like established Pokemon as like an, an RPG with a cast more than it was like okay, I've got you know all these different monsters that do these certain abilities that have these certain numbers and stats like all of that kind of got swept away and like this very like this very like personal investment that I suddenly had in in terms of like having these very six specific Pokemon that I took with me everywhere, and I think that there was. Well, while Pokemon was still like a part of my life for a long time, there was a window between Generation 5 and 7 where I kind of dropped off, not for any, like, not for any bullshit reasons about how, like, oh, Pokemon's for kids. I don't, like, that was never the problem. I think I had just gotten to a point where I had started, you know, I started playing, like, uh, video games that were more, I guess, like, geared towards my age groups. Like, I was getting into, like, Bioware games and things that had, like, better writing and just, like, more to be invested in. And I think, like, as much as the sort of like the the things that I kind of like envisioned about the Pokemon universe carried me for a long time. I think when it kind of got to the point where I was, you know, looking for things that were more like more immersive and more engrossing in a way that I, I needed at that age, like I think I just kind of fell off Pokemon because like one, you know, the writing of a Pokemon game at that point was, it, you know, it's for kids. It's fine. Like I wasn't like, you know, knocking it for that. It was just, I think I just felt myself starting to get feel more distance and I started getting kind of, not necessarily dragged into the competitive scene, but I think the competitive mindset was like around more mm-hmm. in terms of like the people that I was talking to and the people I was around. And I think I just kind of felt sort of pushed out of it in that way to the point where I was just kind of like, I mean, I played every game, but it did to the point where I started to not finish some of them. I never, yeah. I never finished White 2. I never finished either, either 
Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun and Moon. Um, and I think it was around, you know, it, it was around 2018, 2019 when the Detective Pichu game came out that I was like, okay, I, I was really into the, the murder mystery genre at the time. Um, and, you know, obviously it's not a murder mystery, but it, like it is a mystery, it's an adventure game. Right. And so I'm like, this speaks to me more like as a genre and it speaks to me in terms of like seeing that world presented in a different way. Cause like, you know, so, so often like the culture of competitive sport is what is like the center of all of those games. And I just kind of was feeling very dejected from that. Like I didn't feel like that spoke to me anymore. And it, like, it was more interesting to me to play Detective Pikachu and see like, Oh, this is like a city where that doesn't happen. Like that's not the like cultural center of why people like interact with Pokemon, like they're Pokemon that have like jobs. There's a Ludicolo that like is a bartender at a coffee shop, and you know Pikachu was like a, a detective. Like you know, like there are other ways for people and Pokemon to relate to each other. And I was just like, this like just jives with me so much more. And it like it fell back into a lot of the stories that my brother and I had been writing back in our like back in middle school days, where like it was, you know, it was Pokemon, but it was like more of a drama that we were writing that existed yeah. in that world that like dealt with the lore in a really like uh really like hands-on way instead of it being this kind of like thing that you pass through with a master ball and then you get back to the Pokemon League and I think that was like a shifting point for me along with the, like the, when the movie came out which like I know the movie has its problems but, like I'm obsessed with that film like it is one of my like fucking it's favorite so things good. in the world it is so um, good it is I saw it so many times like I saw it twice the day it came out like I like went in to go see it with my family and then I was like I just like turned back around to the theater and went back in and like saw it again. Um, I saw it several times and I was, I, I was like in the thick of poverty at that point. Like I did not have the money to be seeing movies as much as I did, but um, just like both of those were like kind of this like resurgence of my love for the world of Pokemon. And I think that was something that I had been missing for a long time and has kind of stuck with me since then, which was like, you know, sword and shield time. And that even required some sort of like introspection on my part because like when the national deck stuff happened and you know not every Pokemon's gonna be back, I was like, oh, suddenly five out of my like canon six are not in this game. Mm -hmm. How do I like deal with that in terms of my relationship with the game? And I wrote a thing at at Fanbyte. It was kind of like something that I was reflecting on at the time because like at the time when I started when I started at Fanbyte back in 2019, I was like working up my financials to move like move because I lived in. Mm -hmm. The bumfuck nowhere, Georgia, at the time. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to swear? I've been I've been saying a lot of stuff. Yeah, please okay, do. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, this I, is a grown up fucking podcast. Okay. Cool. I just <laughs> I, I I'm a potty mouth, so like it just naturally comes to me sometimes. Listen, but, if Ryan Reynolds could have said "fuck" as Pikachu, he would have mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. legit. So that's, I mean, he got, I, I he got to say he got to say "damn" and "hell" like twice in there. It's so, true. It's true. Yeah. He got like you know the the all ages version of Ryan Reynolds in that movie. It's true. But very true. um, going into a new region, like the, going into the gallery region without all my old friends, was like very reminiscent of me like reckoning with like, oh, as soon as I move, I'm leaving parts of my life behind, and that was sort of like. That, that shifted my mindset again, like, and I think made a lot of the, the newer games that have come out since, like, kind of more tolerable for me in that way. Because, like, I started thinking towards, like, how Ash has Pikachu in every region, but he has, like, he gets his new Pokemon every time. Like, he, mm -hmm. like, has a sort of, re like, soft reset. And I, and that is, like, one of the lucky things about Raichu being my favorite Pokemon is that, like, I'm always going to have, like, Pikachu privilege of Raichu's going to be in every game. Um, yeah. So... I'm always going to have this one constant, but like there are no, there are new experiences and new people and new places to see. And so that's kind of like where I'm at these days, because like now that like I'm back into it and I have like this like obsessive need to like push my hyper fixations on all my friends, like Pokemon has become a very 
social thing for me, not in like, not in terms of like, we all play like competitively against each other, but like all of my friends are like, have their hands in something Pokemon. Like I don't, I don't buy a lot of the cards, but like they send me ones that they know I want. Like I've got this professor's, uh, professor Toro, professor of research um, that Alex Van Aken. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, that Alex Van Aken from Game Informers sent me. Um, and like when I've like, when I've had like a couple, you know, not great things happen over the past like six months and friends have sent me, like care packages with Pokemon cards, like specifically of ones that are in yeah. my Canon Six, and so they're like Aww. between that, like Pokemon Unite, all of us playing Scarlet and Violet and Arceus together, and all of these things. Like Pokemon has become this very communal thing to me in a way that it hasn't been since really like as far back as like when I was a kid or when I was like writing that like collective story with a bunch of friends I made online in middle school. Um. So, yeah, that's my, like, long 20-year saga of Pokemon. Like, it has taken different forms over the years, but it's always been a constant in some way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I love that. I I think we're at a point where Pokemon is that thing where some people have the nostalgia goggles for it, but mm. a lot of people have gone back to it and, like, are buying the cards in non-predatory mm-hmm. ways. And y'all know exactly what I mean by non-predatory ways. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm, I'm looking at you fucking resellers and you scalping mm-hmm. pieces of shit. Um, but like Pokemon is just a thing where like, I got a Jigglypuff tattoo a couple mm-hmm. months ago and just the amount of people who will come up to me and go, your tattoo is incredible. And I go, Oh mm-hmm. my God, thank you. And it's one of those things is like a highly anxious adult in social situations, which is funny. Cause I'm a Leo who can't shut up uh, <laughs> that like, I feel so much more like at ease when I'm surrounded by people that have like a Pokemon thing or like I mm-hmm. literally bought the, you know those Amazon like sticker packs I bought one that had this cute version of all these little Pokemon um and uh you know it's just one of those things that like people go oh my god that's incredible and I just feel more at ease with them so I think it's mm-hmm. something because I, I feel like we're probably in the same age group that it's just we've watched the world literally fall apart and for so many of us Pokemon's been our mm-hmm. constant Mm-hmm. And it's like not even in like a dangerous way. It's just like a, this is really special and important to me, mm-hmm. and it's okay for us to embrace that. And I love that about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, so you 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 said you don't really collect the cards now, but mm-hmm. like your friends will send them to you. Did you collect the cards as a kid? Because I know most of us didn't so, play early on because who fucking knew how. But did you collect them at all in the beginning? So my my brother and I had like a, a giant box of them that we I, I think at some point it got sent to our nephew and I don't know that he like kept up with them. That's fine. But we, so I, I collected a lot of the cards. We, we played them to some extent together or we never like went to like any uh, like competitions or anything. But like, I think the thing that like really made us able to play is like, we got the trading card game on game boy, which like taught you how to play. And I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Um, like in the context of like an RPG and I was like, all right, bet. All right. This is like a way to learn this. Um, Cause I think, I think at some point we did like kind of get more like entrapped by like Yu-Gi-Oh in terms of a card game. Cause I mean, just like, you know, Pokemon, like, it's a perfectly fine functional game, and I guess a lot more rules have been added since I was last playing yes. it. But, like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, you know, more complex card games out there, and like, I, so, like, I managed to find myself, like, in the middle ground between, like, Pokemon and Magic and just played Yu-Gi-Oh! instead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we definitely had a lot of the cards back in the day. I think in some book, I, I actually, I'm not positive it's here. It might have got thrown away in the move. Um, cause I, I used that original Raichu card that I had like from mm-hmm. when I was a kid as a bookmark for a long time. Um, oh. and now I know I've got several Raichu and Pikachu cards stashed in, I think the case for ultra moon that I've got on my shelf over there. Um, but so like now it's just at the point where I like, I 
don't want to like I don't really, I don't really have any desire to play the game, but like I do like some of the cards that um that my friend sent me basically uh and and I do like I do like watching people open cards like you know, this is a thing that my friends all call a cracking packs so, like everyone get on the Discord yeah. everyone get on the video get in the video chat and we're all gonna like watch somebody open like seventeen different packs like that is still fun that is still like a part of it that I find a lot of joy in but like I'm just like I don't I don't I don't have yeah. the time or like the bandwidth to invest in the card game in the way that some of these fucking sickos do. Like I just make it, yeah. making a deck at my age. I think I'm done. I also don't really enjoy children at all. I barely mm-hmm. enjoy people my own age mm-hmm. and going to play Pokemon uh, is a lot of, you got to play against nine to 14 year olds. And that's, they bully. I, I don't mm-hmm. have time for that. I was like, you know what? People I mean, in my they own age are mean you. enough. They... It's true. Mm. Uh, but, uh, oh my God, I have to tell you the story. I, my ex and I used to go to like our comic book shop. That was a card shop. Uh, and we just, cause I, that was back when the Pokemon league gave you little patches for playing, even if you mm-hmm. just showed up. And I was like, oh, it's like Snorlax and Togepi. And I was like, look at my cute little babies, my little chubby round boys. I want mm. patches of you. Um, and we were playing this, these moms showed up and they would be wine moms now if they could probably have wine in public. And they were like, do you guys mind if they play with you all? Cause like, I just can't be bothered anymore. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, it's fine. And uh, this one kid sat down and they didn't even like shuffle their decks. Their decks are not like whatever, but we were, mm. they didn't know how to play. So we were playing with them and teaching them how to play. Uh-huh. And one kid was like, I'm going to evolve my squaddle into a waddle. Uh, and <laughs> uh my ex was like oh i i think it's war turtle and he's like oh actually saw it's waddle and mm. ever like that is just i that to me is pinnacle going to play pokemon in person mm. and like i competed competitively for a little bit and it's just mm. i again i'm too old i can't be bothered but <laughs> i literally this fall was on medical and i was just I really like the Lost Origin set that came out with the Hisuian, mm. uh, Growlithe, uh, Growlithe and Arcanine. They were really great. All the variations were great. And so I was just like cracking those open every week. And I was just on Instagram live being like, I'm bored. So y'all are going to listen to me talk for like a half hour while mm. I open up these cards. So fucking enjoy. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I've come to realize is that I, I just like the art and I wish I could get them like too. printed and like on my wall yeah. instead of like yeah. in a fucking 10 somewhere in my storage. Like I just, that's, that's what I want. But what is the most recent Pokemon game that you played? I mean, I, I was—I actually reviewed Scarlet and Violet for Polygon, um, and so that was um, that was actually like a really serendipitous moment because I—I I was before, just before those games came out, like I was headed into like a pretty like nasty surgery. Like I mean, I'm fine now, but like it was like yeah. a thing that was gonna have me bedridden for a while, and so I, I lucked out like lucked out like i just been laid off from my other job and my and then like polygon's editor reaches out to me like hey do you have a person like do you have an outlet to review scarlet and violet yet and i was like no i do not can i have violet specifically please i need to see professor toro as soon as possible um and <laughs> so i ended up that was um that was my last one game and i, I put mm, despite like i have my i have several issues with that game that i think mm-hmm. are ultimately like non-factors by the time that you finish it but it's just like when i play and like you can go read my review on polygon.com um like if i, I have a lot of problems with it structurally because i think game freak is still kind of like figuring out open world yes yeah design oh, yeah and how oh, to yeah. like make those sort of um the sort of things clear and to the player Cause like I, I had like a lot of weird disorientation with that game where mm-hmm. i was like oh i have you know been playing on one side of the map and then suddenly like the the difficulty spike just changes because like they don't do anything to kind of guide you in a because like mm-hmm. 
if if it had like level scaling, it would be fine. But like the game doesn't, so like it do- doesn't really do anything to tell you. Like, oh, you need to go to the other side of the map, and then yep. you'll have like the things that are on your level. And it was just like, oh, this is fucking weird. And like also like the sort of crux of my review at the time was like Legends Arceus has kind of like set a better foot forward for what mm-hmm. open world Pokemon should be. And so to play Scarlet and Violet, where all these steps backwards are happening, it's just like, oh, this is not kind of yeah this this is not like the foot forward that i want to see and i hope that like whatever game for you and next like they will look towards arceus as sort of like yep. the blueprint for whatever they're going to do instead of scarlet but because like as much as, as much, like I, I and i have like to to be clear like i have a lot of about scarlet but that i love um i think like the ending of that game like completely <sighs> rewired my brain and like if i had <sighs> played if i had played that shit when i was like you know seven to twelve years old like mm-hmm. complete cultural reset for me um mm-hmm. and even now, like, I, I I force, like, my friends, like, okay, you need to get to the end of the game, and then you need to stream it in Discord, because, like, I need to have, like, the, the secondhand experience, like, watching you finish this game. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was the last thing I've been, and I've been kind of, like, revisiting it, like, for these seven-star terror raids, primarily yeah. for work reasons. If it was not for Matt Storm and Jeff Moonen being like, baby, you got, baby, baby, you got to get to the last two hours of gameplay, mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. oh, boy. And I was like, you guys... I am so disinterested. I am so mm. bored. And, you know, it's, it's, I was getting really lost early on because I couldn't find my way through that map. It was really difficult mm-hmm. and the map didn't actually help you. Mm-hmm. And then I had the issue after you beat Ione, you, if you don't take the tiny little path down to the right and you take the big path to the left, the big path to the left, you suddenly can't catch anything and it's mm-hmm. 20, uh, 20 levels higher than you are. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Mm. But I was sold from the moment that we do that kingdom hearts leap on the back of, of Maridon mm-hmm. and you get pulled into Arden's lap, Arvin's lap. And I went, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, also I, I don't want to assume anything about you, but uh, I suddenly felt way more connected to our characters when uh, they're on the back of my ride on flying down into the crater. And I said, that's a polycule if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Those are four queer mm. chaotic beings. Also, because mm. I think I've said it a couple times on here that every time somebody gendered Penny as she, her, I said, that's rude. They're they, them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I also said I was like everybody in this game is queer. Like mm. it is Yeah. It, they knew they knew exactly what they mm. were doing. They know and, who their fan base is. They right. Know. It is something that I've been I'm even thinking about like pitching as part of my column at some point. Like the general queering of Pokemon, like over the <gasps> years. Like mm-hmm. in terms of like character design, in terms of like emotional arcs, in terms of like Pokemon design especially. Like look at fucking Halloween. Yeah. Like, okay. Um and the so, girls are grilling, the dolls are dolling. <laughs> and it's been kind of just fascinating to watch because, like, I, I think it's part of, you know, I, I think it's both, both it's, like, modern trends of, like, character design, what people want, but I also think it's just, like, the old guard is kind of, like, shifting around. Like, there's a new generation of people at Game Freak, like, making these games that have different worldviews, have different sort of um, experiences to draw from. And I think... Scarlet and Violet is like a testament to that. It's like a you know a multifaceted thing. Cause like I even think it plays into like fashion, like as far back as like yes. Sword and Shield. Like I, mm-hmm. I tried to get this one story off the ground at one point, which didn't end up going anywhere. It was like I wanted to talk to like queer people and people of color. Like how do you feel like Sword and Shield's fashion lets you kind of like mm-hmm. represent yourself in a way that Pokemon has never really done before? Because they think like mm-hmm. you mean there's custom characters in X and Y and Sun and Moon, but like 
the actual fashion of it like is fairly mm-hmm. homogenous, mm-hmm. I would say. Um mm-hmm. which is uh, you know, his own problem for those games. But I, I think just like like I look at my like my, I have a lot of attachment to my character from Shield specifically because like he just looks like mm-hmm. me. Like he's mm-hmm. got like he wears what I would wear. He wears um you know these sort of like mismatching color schemes that are all like a bunch of different like really bright bold pieces that kind of like embodies a lot of things that I wear in real life. I mean, you, like mm-hmm. in the in the video coverage around, I'm just wearing a fucking hoodie, but it's like whatever. But like, and you know, when I go out in most days, like I'm like, okay, here's like a bunch of things that don't quite fit together sometimes, and that was kind of like the the sort of uh, aesthetic I was going for in yep. Sword and Shield, but although. Um, uh, Scarlet and Violet get, made us all fucking wear school uniforms, so couldn't really do much with that. So I mean, so I can't say any, I can't say anything because I literally am in a like prep school aesthetic on the call with you right now. Like, <laughs> I had a friend, I sent a picture because I was like, I'm feeling very cute today, and my friend was like, You look like the fucking drama teacher at Uva Academy. Get mm. the fuck out of here! And mm. I was like, Don't you blame me for Team Star? blame me for team star it's fine <laughs> i'm the <laughs> asshole that gave those drama kids too much fucking budget because you mm-hmm. can't tell me they weren't the arts nerds mm-hmm. who went you know we could do song <laughs> we we could do song of meloetta again or we could build a giant stage and do our own version of coachella mm-hmm. It's just so good and then you brought up toro mm-hmm. which i just oh yeah oh yeah okay, yeah so, wasn't so- expecting Let's talk let's talk about Daddy for a second. We knew nothing about him or the female professor other than they're hot. <laughs> and but everybody was like done sold sold like sold. So yeah. what are what are your thoughts on that? I like I kind of as we're we're going. So, so I was, was going to say like this is one of my like various things that like my relationship with Pokémon and my brother has like lo- like worked out in my favor cuz like we have this we had this unspoken thing for a long time cuz like what happened was okay we both got that version of red and then i think that christmas i got my own version of yellow because like mm-hmm. right is my favorite like so that like line is my like that was like the beginning of like oh this is my pokemon game as opposed to our pokemon game mm-hmm. and then so when it came to gold and silver i wanted lugia so i got silver and then on that we kind of got on this track for he would get the first version i would get the second version and so it just kind of like went that way for years at this point. The only time that it deviated was Let's Go, which I got Let's Go Pikachu, you got Let's Go Eevee, um, because obviously. Um, yeah. So I lucked out when they revealed Sada and Toro, and my brother was like, no fucking fair that you get the game with the hot dad, because we're both gay. And so like it was uh, sort of like a moment of like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, like I made basically like my crush on Toro, my entire fucking brand, for like six months until that game came out. I have my, like, various Pokemon boyfriends and husbands from over the years, like Raihan mm-hmm. from Sword and Shield. Love my mm-hmm. life. Um, and I may basically made Toro my entire personality for a long time. And I think, like, all that, like, preemptive attachment aside, he ended up playing such a central role in mm-hmm. the parts of that game, like, you know, for all my problems, like, the parts of that game that I really did love, which were, you know, this idea of, like, and it plays into like you know how they kind of designed the open world, and like the sort of philosophies that it's talking about. So it's that like pursuit of your own passions and like finding your truth in this world. And then it kind of like, you know, it, it talks about like that as it pertains to like every character in that game. And but then you kind of have this sort of like this ghost in the machine rather that is like 
this is what happens when that ambition and those like Mm -hmm. that is like left unchecked like you are literally like the only person you have to confront you about this isn't is a literal copy of yourself you know yes he's hot like yes it's like everything um but the way and this is like i think what has been one of my biggest takeaways from pokemon in the past like year i think even with with arceus with scarlet and violet and then you know like going back to like the stuff i said about objective v2 is like pokemon like really flexing its narrative muscles has been what has mm-hmm. like you know like i was already like kind of like back by the time that sword, sword and shield came back but like that is i think what has made me like really invested in a way that i haven't like again i have not been in several years and i think has probably been in 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 my opinion like the greatest example of like clear change within that studio is that like oh you know this isn't just like cool for a quote-unquote kids game this is like actually like oh no shit they are like really diving into stuff here like they are using this world to its advantage to like really live up to the potential of this universe and have characters at its center that can like kind of ground like you know larger than life ideas like a time machine that brings in like these invasive species that might ruin an entire ecosystem you know like it i I think for that reason like the 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 toro like boss fight at the end like kind of just like skyrockets to like one of the best moments of the franchise for me oh yeah like thousand percent like really just like the end games of both of both arceus and scarlet and violet have been these like moments of like oh no pokemon is like it's catching up with me as an adult. Like it is like, it has got, you know, all these you new know, cute things that apply to kids, but this is like clearly a generation, like a new generation has come into this, into the series. And it's like at like, you know, the leadership level and like at the creative level, that is really just like flexing the things that I think modern RPG sensibilities require to kind of like elevate something beyond just a fucking kids game. And um, so, yeah, like, Area Zero in Scarlet and Violet, like, I completely, like, altered my brain brain chemistry, and I implore anyone that has not finished that game for all its, for all its other problems, like, to at least get to that point, because I think it is so oh, worth yeah. it. I think it is so rewarding for people that have, like, I think grown up with the series and kind of been, like, has this really, like, aged alongside me? Because, like, I think you, like, mm-hmm. can make comparisons to things like, like obvious comparison to like things like Digimon, which I think has done like a very good job of kind of like mm-hmm. growing up with this audience in a way that like it mm-hmm. can have stories that feel both like you know really like grounded in the world, but also just like compelling on like a level of yeah. like this applies to people that have probably like you know that probably like watched it as a child and have like grown up to like oh now I've got all these like you know adult problems to contend with like now you're you're bringing out this villain that's not just like cartoonishly evil person, but is instead like a person that is dealing with like unchecked unchecked ambition or like a work-life balance problem like trying to deal with like you know i aspire to things while also like maybe doing other things like you know having a child when i was not maybe prepared for that and you know abandonment issues like in like both games the other professor leaves and just like decides they don't want to do this anymore and arvin is left to deal with all that fallout and then it kind of like it leads it ultimately like leads to the death of the professor who has to like make this other version of themselves to like try and keep mm-hmm. up with their own ambition it's it's wild stuff to even think about like i i, I think like we i think it's very easy to be like oh this is good for a pokemon game it's like no this is just fucking great on its own actually like this is yeah. actually a really solid some of it was really a chore to get there but mm-hmm. like w- the payoff is so worth mm-hmm. it and it makes me want to propel forward and play the dlc like i'm really excited for the dlc yeah. even though the even though the pokemon are silly 
they're, they're real silly looking. I'm still fine with it. We got our little turtle boy this week. And I went, I love a turtle. Mm-hmm. I love a turtle mm-hmm. Pokemon. We've talked about sort of Scarlet and Violet. And I think it is nice that we're now a couple months out. So we can have a little more perspective on it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really, I'm excited for the future of Pokemon because of it. Mm-hmm. But do you have a couple favorite games through like your whole time in the franchise and kind of maybe why they're your favorite? There might be like a little bit of recency bias to it, but I, I think we're, I mean, we're over a year removed at this point. So I think I can kind of confidently say that it, this is my favorite because I think it's Pokemon Legends Arceus. And I think it's for a few reasons. Like one, I'm a fan of Sicko. Like I, like that, that Canon six that I talked about, like mm-hmm. it came together in Diamond and Pearl. So like I have a lot of attachment mm-hmm. to Sinnoh in that way. Yeah. And I think it was really good to have paired play in that game with the Diamond and Pearl remakes because like, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I, I went for all those years being like, Oh, Pearl's my favorite game. And then you go and play the remakes. And I think like the remakes have like their own set of issues, which I think is like a, you know, that's, that's one part of the conversation. But I think my biggest takeaway from it was it felt like, you know, coming to it as like, I was, I guess I was like 28 at the time. Like I was, you know, late twenties after having not really played it since it first came out to come into it and be like, oh, this world just kind of feels a lot smaller than it did at one point. Like, you know, it's a very, I, I, I spent a lot of time talking about like how Pokemon is like a cultural place is like what's fascinating yeah. to me. But like, then you kind of, you come to back, come back to some of these earlier games and you're just kind of like, oh, this feels kind of like very stock Pokemon for like, you know, mm-hmm. this world in terms of like its culture. And it's like the sort of a uh, mythology of it all. Like, you know, they, they introduce like the gods of that universe and then they're like gone after one battle. And then you, you catch them with a the master ball and you get back to your eight badges and that's all that you really <laughs> do with them. Having like gone through Shining Pearl with that mindset and then going to Arceus, which very, very much is like built into like the mythology of the universe and like has, you know, you kind of get to feel like the origin point of like so much mm-hmm. of that world through that game where it felt like that was like, the first time in like a long time, or at least like in the games, I think, where it felt like Pokemon was like living up to the possibility of the universe and like living up to those ideas of like, because like, I feel like I realized at some point that like I had filled in the gaps in this universe with my imagination just growing up and, you know, and with those stories that I wrote with my brother and like Arceus was like something like just straight out of, like, like it, for lack of a better way of explaining it, like it was straight out of my imagination, straight out of like the stories that I wrote. Like, you know, it was like dark, but not in like the stupid ways that people want. Like, oh, you know, we want, we need a Pokemon game for adults where we gave Pikachu a Glock. No, like this is, you know, using the, <laughs> use, it's using the universe to like really like sit with the realities of it. Like that aren't, you know, just like covered up by a Pokemon League and eight badges that you get. Like it's, you know, this is a dangerous world. This is an untamed world. This is, you're dealing with, you know, I mean, again, like spoilers for the uh, this year old game at this point. Like, you're dealing with like a conflict between God and Satan in the Pokemon universe, and you're like dragged into it through like a really haunting isekai time travel story that like gets into like some fucking wild moment. Like the Area Zero and I think like the post game of Arceus have like like elevated themselves to like my favorite mm-hmm. moments in the franchise, just because like dealing with like this like really subversive take on it on that work because like i kind of went into like assuming like oh bolo is cynthia's ancestor like clearly he's gonna be on my side and no he's the fucking villain of the whole thing Mm -hmm. um and you know like it's like this religious zealot that is like trying to bring arceus out like so he can claim his power like that's just wild that's like that goes so far beyond you know the villainous stories that we've seen in this world we're like you know giovanni wants money he wants power he was okay fine but like then you see this person that was like so consumed with like this religious zealotry that God himself pulled the main character 
from like I, I it's never said this explicitly, but like I always assume that the main character of Arceus is the main character of Diamond and Pearl. Like that they, they get kind of like pulled after all that they accomplished there back into the past to be like, okay, I've seen this kid, knows what they can like knows what's up, is like very capable and can maybe stop this cataclysm from happening. And Arceus yeah. is just like, okay, you are my chosen person that I'm bringing and like that's just fucking cool to me. That like mm-hmm. you know again, like this kind of comes back to what I'm saying, like Pokemon like living up to the ideas that it, like the the idea is that the world can spawn and that like, you know, getting a writing team that can like really flex and use the universe in a way that doesn't feel infantile almost for like a better mm-hmm. way. Like, and I don't mean to like speak down to a lot of the old Pokemon games. I just like, there was like a, a part of the writing that like kind of, I think you see this in a lot of like media that is like quote unquote for children. Is it like, it, I, I think a lot of writers out there tend to treat kids like they're stupider than they actually are. Yes. Um, a thousand percent. And so like, that's the difference between something that like entertains a kid for like, you know, an hour and a half or 20 hours for a video game. And so, like, that's the difference between that and the difference between finding something that like kind of like changes their life. Like, I, I think like if I had played Arceus or Scarlet and Violet and the, played those in games as a kid, like just like completely would have changed how I looked at like media for, yep. and, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's, that's that's my long way of saying like that's why Arceus I think is, is my favorite Pokemon game right now because it just felt like finally Pokemon like caught up to me like caught up to my yeah. vision of the universe and God I still think about that uh, that post the basically from the point you get exiled from to when you finally face Arceus like all of that just like I eat that shit up I'm having a meal thinking about that game I'm. I'm excited. So I work on cruise ships and I'm about to go out on a new contract and uh, I've been saving Legends of Arceus and I know mm. everything that happens. It's it, mm. it's fine. I'm bad at, I'm, I will look up spoilers. I'm bad about it. Mm. Uh, it's it, That's where my uh, ADHD uh, neurodivergent brain lives. Um, but, and so I've been so excited to kind of get started with mm. this. Now, there's a question I've had since we started talking about this for you that we would that you we were going to come do the show and you are the first person who has told me that the pikachu line or raichu specifically is your favorite pokemon and for a lot of people pikachu they say pikachu oh the uh, the sitting cuties are so, that is I bought, I'm not really into Pikachu or the line, but I bought that Raichu because it's so cute. Oh, look at that. See, I always say that, uh, 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 okay. For the people listening at home, I'm pulling out. You're just piling on. Yeah. You're, you're piling on. Also the sitting cuties is the smartest line they could have released because at 1099 a piece, you can justify those as impulse purchases. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. if you buy two, you're it's pretty much free shipping because they keep doing free shipping now at $25. Mm. So it's like, if you do that and like, I'll throw on a deck of po- or a pack of Pokemon cards. Cause I'm like, Oh, I could spend $4 on a pack of cards or, and get free shipping or pay $5 for shipping. So I'm just going to do the cards. Um, and I will find myself often. And typically I don't want to speak for them, but if you order, typically they get, they've been getting to me in like two or three business days. Like it's really, truly mm. fast. Shipping. Um, and so I encourage everybody to go online and go try to find your favorite Pokemon. Though it is hard. That American Poke Center website often takes months to restock. So mm-hmm, like when mm-hmm. you see something pop up, you better grab it. 
Yeah. That's how I've been with any time the Galarian Ponytas restock. I go, oh, bitch, we got to buy her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before I, I uh, ADHD myself any further away, what is it about Raichu? Because most people say Pikachu because he's a recognizable icon. Mm-hmm. What is it about Raichu for you that is your like, because I'm guessing that's like your ride and die. That's like your favorite mm-hmm. Pokemon. This is my guy. What is yeah. Raichu? So it it plays into a couple of things because like and this was I guess part of like my my history with Pokemon that I didn't bring up. Um, when we were like you know first getting into it, like my brother and I had two best friends who were also twins, and so we all kind of got into it together. And so like the four starters of the Kanto region were like okay, my brother's favorite was Charizard. The, the other two, their friends, their favorites were Squirtle and Bulbasaur. And so mine was Pikachu, and what it. Why why Raichu, why I consider Raichu my, my favorite Pokemon, even though I my sort of vision of that is like Pichu, Pikachu, and Raichu are the same Pokemon to me. Like that is yeah. I mean they what, are. They absolutely right. are, yeah. Right. That that is like one Pokemon through like a stages of his lifetime. And I think what kind of like escal- like made it solidify that Raichu was my favorite was that like, okay, that's where he would grow to be as he grew older and as I grew older. And I think that was like part of like what switched it in my brain was like, okay. As I have grown older, I like I am in my Raichu phase, for lack of a better term, because like I'm an adult. Like I have reached that point, like that maturity in my life, where I I am an adult, and like Raichu is the adult version of this friend that I've had for twenty plus years. And so I guess like for me, like the in in most cases, honestly, like if I if I were to list off like my favorite Pokemon, I usually just refer to the, the last form, just because like that is yeah. that is their ultimate stage. That is like you know who they grow up to be, and so. For, like for me, and also like just kind of broadly, like I I, I love I love Raichu's design. Like he's the perfect combination of cool and cute. That I think like he he gets gradually cooler as he grows up, and so um I, I think there was just like a point in my mind where my vision of who that character was switched mm-hmm. to the older version of him. So thus, like I just consider Raichu like the present day version of the character that I have loved and had in every game. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it. Um. As far as, like, you know, the really, really weird neurotic headcanon bullshit that I get into with most video games, Pokemon especially. So, uh, you all can't see it at home, but I'm smiling so hard because it just, uh, literally, you just almost made me cry. I think <laughs> it's such a succinct and beautiful way of thinking. Because like I'm I'm a Digimon kid almost more than I'm a Pokemon kid, but they mm. both exist in such a special place in my brain. Where with your Digimon, you've got one partner mm-hmm. and it grows up and down with the power as you need it, but like they progress with you as a character. Right. Where Pokemon, they feasibly would evolve as you evolve or as you need them or use them, even if you're not battling with them. Um, I I don't know. I just thought that was so sweet. I love that. So then I'm going to ask you, which is not a question I gave you, but I'm interested to think because you know this idea of as we grow our pokemon we grow and get older is there a pokemon that you would catch and travel with that you would give an everstone and not evolve um yes and this kind of actually ties into like some more like real world shit like i I, obviously like listeners can't see this but i have a tattoo of hurtier uh-huh hurtier uh-huh yeah and i got that for my dog who just passed away two months ago oh. and because I had had a 16 year old Yorkie Chihuahua named Lily. And um, oh. when she started having health problems, I was like, okay, like whenever we do say goodbye, I'm going to get a her to your tattoo. Um, because like she was like a very small Yorkie Chihuahua. So like she did not look like Stoutland. So like I have always kind of yeah. like envisioned 
if she were a Pokemon, that's who she would have. That's who she would be. And so, yeah, that's my answer. And like, I actually after she passed, I ended up booting up White Two because like I that was one of the games I had never finished because like I don't really care for most of the Unova Pokemon, so like that game yeah. never really held my attention. And so like now I'm trying to kind of like slowly play through it again, and I've given her Neverstone. Like I've, I've I caught her like it was literally like the first wild Pokemon I found in the area that um that that you can catch them early on, and it was a, a Lillipop and uh it was a it was a girl and so i was like okay this, this is fate catching her give giving her an everstone um and so now i just have this like herdier in that game named lily that uh i'm walking around with so that is one that like i think if you like made me make a list of like all my favorite pokemon that would probably be like one of the only ones that i didn't just fully evolve Ken, you're gonna make me fucking cry, man. I, I fucking hate you. I just you can't. You can't do it. Okay, you connect with Pokemon in the same way that I do, and it's mm-hmm. so refreshing. And because it, it's just, it's pure. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's delightful. Everyone, this is shit. I'm having such a good time talking to you. I appreciate. <laughs> I just so, appreciate this so much. So I, I mean, this is and yeah. like to go on like an anecdote again. Like this, this is also something, and not to like plug something that you can go out and buy now. Like I wrote a um. Uh, a foreword for the for the book, uh, the psychology of Pokemon, which is like a collection of essays from people with fucking PhDs, and I'm just some fucking guy. I just I I just I I write about video games. I like the electric rat a lot. Like I'm just some guy. Um, and like I, the the kind of like conceit of the foreword that I wrote was a lot of um, it's interesting to like Pokemon is I think more than most video game franchises. Like depending on who you talk to, it means something so drastically different to them. Like some people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to go. I want to go fill up the Pokedex. I want to go, like, I want to get, like, I want to battle competitively. And I, like, really honed in on, like, for me, it is about, like, finding my friend Raichu again. Like, every time, like, I'm like, okay, I need to go find, I need to go find my guy. I need to go, like, you know, every time I find a Raichu in every game, or a Pikachu, Pikachu, whichever I want to catch him as, um, that's, like, finding my friend again in, you know, this new unknown place that I've never been to before. Um, and I think that, dude. yeah, that, that's my guy. And, um, so I, I think that's something that, like I kind of, you know, I, look, when I said there was a, that point in my life where I was like not really connecting with the same way, I think it took me kind of like stepping away from what a lot of how a lot of other people talk about Pokemon because I think they're just like yeah. in frankness like I, I've met a lot of people who talk about Pokemon in the most insufferable, calculated mm-hmm. ways about like oh these are my stats these are my moves these are my natures these are my, like they're like it's like throwing a fucking spreadsheet then I'm like no th- these are my friends these are mm-hmm. this is my like found family jrpg cast that i have written in my head and um so that's why i get like into the like, really long monologues about like these connections yeah. that i have with these these little guys because that's just like the, the way that i relate to it and i i think it's kind of informed the way that i write and talk about it both yeah. in my job and on this podcast right now just because like that is <laughs> that is the way that i've always related to it and that's why like i write i write like years-long stories about these characters and this world because it means something very specific to me and that's just kind of the way that i engage with it i so i work in theater i'm a costume designer and Mm. and uh director and so for me i look at everything from a storytelling standpoint Mm -hmm. and i could not care less about you know getting the perfect ivs Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily care about shiny hunting I care about the story and, you know, mm-hmm. being a, an eternal bullied kid and like a weird art kid. I, I, that's, 
the thing that I loved about Team Star because I was mm-hmm. like, wait, these kids are clearly not the villain. And that's why early on I knew Turo had to be the villain. I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, daddy's the villain. Mm-hmm, oh no. Mm-hmm. But I, I always want to talk to people about the kind of emotional connection and the responses to like oh my god isn't that pokemon so cute oh my god who wouldn't just want the most aesthetic team i also (laughs) i don't want to hear most i mean i'm about to ask you a question about being a pokemon champion but uh i don't i also don't i don't also want to necessarily be friends with people that are like i would be a lifelong trainer battling is my life Mm. i'm like i want to i want to i want to know the story yeah, exactly. I I want <laughs> No, I feel like Namona could become Giovanni and we all could see the path <laughs> becoming that way. Like Namona would go to knock down Giovanni in Kanto and take over all of fucking Team Rocket and mm-hmm. no one can change my mind. Um that chaotic lesbian. I love her. Uh but I, I want to know about the person that decides that they were like, I got to the third gym. It wasn't for me. So I went and just mm-hmm. became like a Pokemon fanatic. I, right. I you know, I, bec- you know, all these yeah. things. And it was just like, I care way more about those stories or the right. little character or like Silver was my first game and I love Crystal. And so the, the dancing Eevee sisters, the mm-hmm. like Kabuki dancers, yeah. they have coded and they've like imprinted on me since the beginning. And I think those characters are always way cooler for me. And so I always look at it as like, well, we're I have to battle along the way, but the journey of going through this world is part of my most interested thing about it. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. the battling, not competitive yep. battling. Um, so let's talk about it though. You've talked about that. You've kind of got your main six. You've got mm-hmm. your core six that are always there with you. What is your dream team? Well, so you gave me the one like caveat that they're not allowed to be legendary. So that's like throw the yeah, wrench no into it because yeah, no legendary. My- sorry. Because like my, my core six does have two legendaries, which play into like one of them like again play into my relationship with my brother, because like we both have Latios and Latios. Um, oh, and oh, th- uh, it's so I know they're legendary, but I also go back to their movie and I just go, they're just big sweet dummies. I love mm-hmm. them. They're so yeah. sweet. Yeah. So Latios is my girl, and the other one that who have to I guess like sit out of this is Palkia. Um, who again like I also have with me right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so the other four that remain are Raichu, Beautifly, Torterra, and Houndoom. And those are the four like remaining. And so like my two backup answers who like you know like just miss the cutoff for like to be on my, in my party are Corviknight and Starmie. Um, <gasps> yes. I love Starmie and Staryu. I have since the anime. Mm-hmm. I just. I uh I love them. I love their weird like broop, broop. Mm-hmm. I I love I they're so good. They're such a fun design. Mm-hmm. I love the more chaotic designs that don't have eyes and mouths and things, mm-hmm. but they are reflecting the beauty. Also, because I'm a water person, I just I'm a sea kid. Mm-hmm. I will swim forever. And so I love I you're the first person that said star me or star you, which I yeah. absolutely love. Um I also I, I played through pearl recently the the brilliant pearl and i i was fairly bored most of the time i realized that i Mm. hadn't played through the i hadn't completed that game um but my torterra i knew from the beginning that i wanted torterra because i've loved torterra and pokemon go i loved his little i loved his cameo in pokemon go everyone is Mm. uh you can't see the torterra the sitting cutie we love that uh i just i also just shout out for pokemon plush they just 
they're, they're they're the dopamine they're the serotonin they're mm-hmm. all can i tell you i found the giant gengar squishmallow at target the other day those things are expensive which i did not just, realize it was just sitting in a chair in mm-hmm. the lawn and garden section i went yeah uh uh, I literally took a picture of it as proof and then snatched up and said, well, here's $50 we're mm-hmm, about to mm-hmm. spend and I don't care because I love Gengar. So, mm-hmm, uh, but what yeah. about this team that really just kind of that you kind of picked along the way or why do you connect kind of with these all together? So again, it comes back to like, it all, it all goes back to the stories that my brother and I wrote. Because like to me, they are like a cast of characters as opposed to yeah. like, I mean, yeah, yes, like in terms of type coverage, there's, you know, they they cover a lot but for me it's like there's like almost like a again like a, almost like a not even a sitcom cast like dynamic that plays in my head because like Raichu is like the sassy asshole leader of them all yep. that um right. is kind of like you know, yeah uh then beautiful is the more like nurturing like mm-hmm. kind of individual torterra just likes to fight he's like a very angry booty guy um round doom is like this more like calming presence between them all and then you know it gets into the other two who shall not be named in in this uh, in this uh, in these rules I've been given, but then like in in that way, Coronite and Stormy kind of end up slotting into that well enough because like I kind of envision Coronite as like this very like regal kind of like yeah. wise individual, and then Stormy is this very um like very very like wise in its own way, um and that like it is it's like kind of like a spiritual thing that like a lot of the other ones don't really understand, but kind of like know it to be this uh you know just, just as like other sort of like pillar of this group together um so i think it like because like when i was again like when i was making this party and like when i decided on them fucking 17 16 years ago um because like i've had it this entire time it was both about like you know type coverage but it was also kind of like this is a core group of characters that is going to be the cast of every pokemon game for me um i love that yeah so I also I I love that people love Corviknight because you know he was probably one of the best additions in Sword and mm-hmm. Shield. Just I love a big dark bird, and then they were like, "Oh, just wait until you see what we have fucking coming for Corviknight and Scarlet and Violet." So the, the funniest the funniest thing the funniest thing about that was again like I I played Scarlet and Violet at a time for review, and so like I had my Corviknight with me throughout that game, and then I like when it, the game came out and the people were doing raids and stuff, and I was playing with my brother and. He like he invited a friend of his to the raid with us, and I was like, and he brought a, a Tinkaton, and I was like, oh, that's kind of fucked up, don't you think? And then he's like, what do you mean? What are they are they related? And I was like, Kevin, where do you think that hammer comes from? Where do you think the, those pieces that are just like bolted together? Who do you think they come off of? And then he's like, oh no, like he had not like read the Pokedex entry to like bro, read the Pokedex, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, it's kind of fucked up, huh? Um, which is honestly like I. I'm surprised they didn't do something like a kind of like regional variant of Corviknight mm-hmm. in Paldea. Cause like, that's something that they um, talk about with like the Alolan Rattata is that like it had to become nocturnal because of mm-hmm. its like natural predators that were in Alola. And like, I was like, Oh, well you've got one of those for Corviknight right here. Like, I mean, you yeah. use it to justify why there aren't flying taxis, but like, do you not think that Corviknight's like, you know, the, the family of Corviknight would not like adapt in some way and be different yeah. in Paldea. Yeah. I would have thought so, but I don't know. There's so much desert, make it a rock type. So it blends in. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, also, cause we don't have a, f- we don't really have flying rock types that are bird. We don't have many like, no, no. I mean, you've got, what is that? Aerodactyl probably. 
Yeah, but like, what's the, um, shoot, what's that uh, ancient, not, it's not a fossil, I don't think. But I feel like there is at least oh, one flying bird. That, yeah, it's like the, the tropical bird looking one that's just absolutely batshit. That's the fossil that came out with the, the turtle. Maybe that, was that X and Y? Was that X and Y? No, uh, no, no, no. Archon, uh, Archon is who I was thinking Yes, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, no, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, Tyrant and the the little ice Brachiosaurus where X and Y. The I always the the fossils. I mix up the fossils by the mm-hmm. gen. I'm so bad. Um, so let's say you have gone through your Pokemon journey. You've become the champion. You have traveled the world, all the regions, and you come back to your home region. And they say, "Bro, hey, Ken, we need some representation. It's time." We want to give you a Pokemon gym, but you've got to take over one of the gyms that exist. Which gym are you taking over? If we're talking about like a, you know a, a typing gym, like I'll I will just go electric yeah, just, just because like one Raichu nice. will be there, like Raichu, my rider, I will stay there. But there are also like I mean there are a handful of electric Pokemon I really like. I mm-hmm. I have like a, a lot of fondness for Golem and Alolan Golem. Like <gasps> love Alolan Golem, love him. Golem, um, mm-hmm. Lantern, Ampharos. Mm-hmm. Like like that's the thing is like there was a point in my life where. Mm-hmm. There's more in my life where I was like, you know, very attached to the electric typing. So like I would like try and like have electric teams, like despite the fact that Raichu was always there, I was like, oh, this is this makes everyone else redundant. But yeah, you know, I, I like I had a lot of fondness for Ampharos back in gold and silver days. Um, Lantern as well. Um, so yeah, electric. Okay, so this is my favorite question that I kind of came up with because I am extra. So I like to think as we evolve and we got this a little bit in Scarlet and Violet with the idea of Terra typing and each gym leader uses a Pokemon that is not the traditional type. So you've got to deal with that Pokemon's typing plus their Terra typing. It was quite interesting, but like, I like this idea that as we go forward, we'll get concept gems where you have to come with the strategy to get around the gym and then your like gym challenge is like a mini game that goes with that. So if you had to come up with a concept for a gym, like a non-traditional gym, what is it? What would it be? And maybe what are some of the Pokemon that you would have in that gym with you? So I thought about my other love, which is movies. And cause I live like, I'm still like, I'm, I'm recently moved to New York. So like, I'm still like learning the theaters here and like, what is probably like the most, uh-huh money like save like the best way to like go see Oof, movies as much yeah. as i did in georgia and save money um yeah but like i lived at the movie theater when i wasn't in georgia like i had some like you know regal crown club bullshit that let me go in anytime that i wanted mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so my like non-conventional gym would be a movie theater in which tra- like prospective trainers came in and they saw like a preview for a movie and had to guess what i was going to use based on the preview of the movie <gasps> cool so like I'm, like hypothetical like okay like the samurai movie I have King Gambit. Uh-huh. There's Jaws. I have Sharpedo. Um, they're like, and then like throw in like a Mickey Mouse movie or something to so kind of write you again. Um, so something like that is like, I think the thing that melds all of my interests together um, mm-hmm. because I get to see movies all the time at work. And then I get to, you know, come up with off the wall concepts for Pokemon battles based on the movies that I'm showing. And everybody would want to keep coming back and battling you because it it would be like the lineup of the week, like the festival of the week. Mm-hmm, they never mm-hmm. know one of the movies that you, the trailers they're going to get to see for stuff, but then they don't know what Pokemon you're going to use. Mm-hmm. I think that's an incredible thing. And you can move through, make it a little theme parky too, where you mm-hmm. move through a screen once they figure it out. And then you're in a setting based on that movie. I think mm-hmm. that is 
an amazing job. And Universal, if you're listening, I don't know. I think that's a really good idea for Epic Universe and the Pokemon Park that's coming. Yep, um, <laughs> so what, well, you've listened to some of the episodes now because the show's been out. Uh, so what most of the guests don't know is that I come up with a non-traditional gym for every guest and some of my guests i know well you and i we do not know each other at all but i am <laughs> so happy to have you here so today's gym is smackdown live i've just decided because for me the only thing gayer than theater that i work in is professional wrestling mm-hmm. and i've been getting into professional wrestling because it is theater i mean mm-hmm. it's big beefy men in, in tight spandex which like who doesn't love that uh it's also just it's it's camp it is the epitome of camp mm-hmm. um so yeah, it would be a big, dramatic, you know, lots of flashy colors things. Um, and so of course I need to have my buddy Machamp. And then mm-hmm. I've got uh the camp, the camp queen herself, Halucha. Mm-hmm. Uh then, you know, we gotta keep the we gotta keep the furries happy. We got Incineroar, uh, who literally has a belt as part of his costume. Uh, and then we've got, you know, this one was a little bit of a stretch, but I love it. It's scrafty. I think they're, you know, they're a fun fighting type. I I think, you know, I just, they're not fighting type, but I think they're fun. They are scrappy. And then, uh, you know, to go with things, I decided we got to throw Ludicolo in there. He's very luchador. Mm. I just love him. I think it's fun. And then for the quiet kind of samurai of it all, the there's always an Asian themed wrestler. We've got Aceligor. I just think he's fun. He's sleek. Uh, and then I I think it would just be fun. It would be camptastic. You could play out, uh, you know. Uh, literally live wrestling with your Pokemon with other wrestling theme trainers. And it's silly, but I think it would be mm. silly fun. I do. Yeah. So that is my, that's my non-conventional gym for, for, for this episode. Um, so we talked about it a little bit, but you know, maybe your character's going through, you, you get your Pikachu early on and you're finding out that like, maybe trainer life isn't mm. for you. And something the Pokemon games are really good at is the NPCs. I love the NPCs in Pokemon. They are stupid. They are ridiculous, but they are so stylized. They, they really have thought out the design of each of them. And you kind of figure out what Pokemon they're going to use based on kind of what the NPC typing is. Uh, what would your Pokemon NPC type be? Uh, I mean, it, it plays into like my, my actual job of anyone reporter. Like I have like a lot of, um, like part of, uh, one of my favorite things about the Detective Pikachu movie is that it, like, it, or end the game as well, like, is that it follows the reporter and, like, there's this idea of, like, you know, getting the hot scoops at, um, mm-hmm. at, uh, C- CNM, is that what they call it? CN- yeah. CMN? Uh, one of the two. Um, like, and to, like, you know, delve into something that, like, I've not really, not shared with many people. Like, I started, about two years ago, I started, like, another one of the Pokemon stories that I wrote, or, like, that I was writing, and it, it followed, like, a reporter at, in Rhyme City. And I need to get back to that actually. Like I, I need like some something to like fuel my creativity again. But like I write so much for my job, I don't feel like writing when I get yeah. when I get home. So yes, I feel that yeah. so hard. <laughs> yeah. And so the idea of like being a reporter that has a right shoot that follows him around and helps him helps him with his job is very appealing to me. Mm-hmm. I love that. Also, because he can put the smack down because he's just scary enough, but then he's also mm-hmm. really cute. Because mm-hmm. uh, also it's something I've always loved about the different Pikachu and Raichus that we meet in the game is that their head fur is always different. It's always like mm. the, I was such a sucker for the Pikachu that we met early on that had the like bangs. Most I love him yeah. so much. And I love Surge's Raichu. I, you know, I, I always loved his little design. It's something I love. And they, 
you know, I, those little things are like that your EVs can be just a little different. Mm-hmm. I, I love those aspects of Pokemon. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about it a little bit and that it's just kind of so deeply ingrained. But what if you could pinpoint just that one thing that keeps you coming back to Pokemon games? Hmm. What is it? That one thing, one singular thing. Um, that one singular sensation. Um, hmm. I, I think like there's a sense of camaraderie and community to it that is not really like. And again, this comes back to I keep like plugging things that I've written or done because like it's no, just, like, please I, do. I, like I've talked so much about Pokemon like in my job that like it's just like I think back to things that I've written. I'm like that that encapsulates this motion because it was kind of like the the thesis of that or part of the, the thesis of that uh that forward that i wrote in that book was that like the underlying theme of pokemon like you know every every game or piece of media has like its own sort of you know spin on things but, like the underlying theme of pokemon is that like the journey is best taken together and i think what keeps me like really into it these days is that like it has become this very communal thing with even my adult friends now and um, even like people that I don't, I don't see every day because like they live in other states, and we all gather on Discord every night. Um, it's become such a pillar of like my connections to other people that mm-hmm. that's what keeps it fresh every day. Like I think, um, nothing really embodies the power of friendship like Pokemon does, and mm-hmm. as you know, cheesy and corny and as that is, you know, it's something that I have just come to really value in my adulthood is that like, oh, there are people in my life that care about me and like want to help help me succeed and like are there to pick me up when I'm down and Pokemon embodies that more than pretty much anything. And I think that, you know, for all the various other things that I still love about, it, I think that core applies kind of universally and that applies both in the games with the Pokemon that I catch and also with the people that I play with and engage with this uh this franchise so that's it i love that i love that that's so important and so i guess going hand in hand with that what are some of your hopes for the future of the franchise i I mean i think it's like bare minimum to say that like game freak gets its technical shit together like that's a bare minimum thing like sure like Uh learn how to either one learn how to design an open world game or or to go back to not doing that and I, i probably would prefer that Largely because I don't really like open world games. Me but, too. Um, me too. Absolutely. I, I think broadly, like I think my biggest thing that I want is I want more moments like the end of Arceus and the end of Scarlet and Violet. I want like Pokemon games that recognize the potential of this world in a way that does not feel like it's background noise, in a way that feels like it's very much engaging with a lot of those ideas and you know th- these concepts that they can write and develop around that don't just end up being facilitators for another year of competitive sport. Like I don't need, like I'm, I don't really care about being a champion anymore. I care about like exploring this world with my right shoe. And I want to do that in ways that feel like the game is in conversation with me. And I'm not simply having to project onto it in the way that I did for a long time. Um, so yeah, I think that's my answer as to what I actually want. I would also, I've been playing Digimon Survive a lot mm-hmm. just to get, go back. And I would love some aspects of a Pokemon game that also felt like a visual novel. Yeah. Like that you're playing through a story. So you still have the battles, you still have the catching component. But like where you're playing through maybe instead of open world, this idea where the decisions you make and the relationships you make mm. with people kind of like... um 
um, 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 um what, oh God, why can't I remember the, um, three houses? What is the, Fire the franchise? Fire Emblem. Thank you. Where the relationships you make kind of change your story and it's about mm. the story. So you battle and stuff along the way, but I, I would love that too. Yeah, it it feels like they're starting to like lean into that a little bit more. Like in Scarlet Violet, has like social links with your teachers, and I, I guess like in a, in a roundabout way, it has it with your like three friends as well. Um, although like it even opens up some more of that at the end. Like I think they're realizing that I I, I think like I think they kind of come to the realization that yes, Pokemon are like the draw, but like the characters that they write are also mm-hmm. like very important to the people that play these games because like you know they are almost as iconic as the Pokemon at this point. And that's what, like, you know, Pokemon Masters leans into. It's like, oh, it's this gotcha thing of, like, catching, or, like, collecting trainers just as much as you're collecting Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So I think they're starting to, like, get a sense of that. Um, And, yeah, I would love to see, like, more of those social elements uh, be uh, more integral, I think, to whatever comes next. Me too. Well, Ken, something you probably know because you have listened to the the show at this point. Every broadcast, we are giving away a free digital download code to Pokemon TCG app online. And that now includes the new Scarlet and Violet since it will be the last series to have TCG online codes. But you need a very special password from every episode. And today's password, can you guess what it is? Right, you. It's Raichu. Be the first to respond on our Instagram. And today's code is yours. So, Ken... Thank you for taking a break from your journey to be the best that ever was. We appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, having us, like me and this, this collective fucking you, you and the babies. Who I, listen, I love it. Yeah. Uh, stop. You were going to make me cry. But more importantly, tell everyone at home where they can find you online and where they can purchase anything that you have written. Yeah. Um, so, like I said earlier, I, I daylight at Kotaku. Um, I, every Monday, I post my Pokemon column experience share. Yeah, so I'm over at Kotaku. Uh, you can find my, and again, like, hopefully by the time this airs, normally the FM will be back. And we'll be working our way through the near season. But that is a, again, like a bi-weekly retrospective video game podcast that I do with Eric Van Allen over at Destructoid. Um, and with various guests from around the industry. So that is on all your favorite podcast services. And if you want to like, if you want to pay money for something that I wrote, and then a lot of, then something that a lot of people that are much smarter than me wrote in uh, the psychology of Pokemon. So yeah, I wrote the foreword in that. And then there's a bunch of other essays that are from people much smarter than me. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think I covered everything that I do. Folks, we have coming up next is Oaks Pokemon Talk and later tune into Burma's Password where real people like you win real prizes. As always, I'm your Poke host, Maddie Limerick. And until next time, it's you and me and Pokemon. Thank you for listening to The Champion's Path, a Pokemon podcast presented by Saturday Morning Confidential, a part of the Certain POV Media Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential and on Instagram at SMC Podcast. There you can follow our link tree to every podcast platform under the sun where you can listen to our show. You can find us along with all of the incredible shows on the Certain POV Network at CertainPOV.com. Saturday Morning Confidential and Dreamer Productions do not own Pokemon. In games or media form, this show is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only. And our ending credit music is Jungle Cavern by Brett Eaglestein. Join us next time for another journey down the champion's path.
CPOV. CertainPOV.com.